If you guys been here the last two weeks, you know that we'll be doing, we've been doing a series on the fivefold ministry from Ephesians 4, 11, 12. And so far we went through the apostles, the church planters. Then last week, Uncar did a talk on the prophets, so the mouthpiece and the lawyers of God. And today I'm going to be talking to you guys about the evangelist, okay? So what is the evangelist? Evangelist is from the Greek word euangelistes which comes from the root word you and Gelion, okay? And that's the word you means good, and Gelion means news. So you and Gelion is the Greek word for the good news. And the good news is what Shaman was sharing at the showcase last night about the fact that when we're still sinners, God sent his only son, Jesus, to live the perfectly righteous life that we couldn't live, and that he died on the cross to pay the debt for our sin, And he rose from the grave, showing his power to give eternal life to those who would follow him, right? So that's what the euangelion is. And the euangelistes, the evangelist, is just someone who announces that good news, right? So now um, in the Bible, we have two things here. So all of us are called to share the good news, right? All of us are called to evangelize. But there's also something called the office of the evangelist, right? And so Unkar made a great distinction last week about how all of us can prophesy. All of us can hear from God. But there's also another office of the prophet, right? And we see this in Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. I'll just read it now. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So that's the fivefold ministry. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Okay. So that's what I'm going to be talking to you guys about, about the office of the evangelist, right? Um, and interestingly, there's only two people in the whole Bible that are explicitly called evangelists. And one is Philip in Acts 21.4, and the other is Timothy in 2 Timothy 4. So today we're really going to focus on Philip. And if you guys have your Bibles on your phones, maybe you could turn to Acts 8. And I'm going to be reading from verse 4 to 18. So this, this highlights Philip. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now for some time, a man named Simon, who practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria, he boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Okay, so what's the story here? So the church is scattered, right? And it says all went about preaching. So you see that um, everyone is evangelizing. But this passage is focusing on Philip, who has the office of evangelism. And he goes down to Samaria, and he starts declaring about the good news. And he starts casting out um, impure spirits. He starts healing the paralyzed, the lame. And there's great joy in that city, right? But there's this guy, Simon, and he's doing sorcery and witchcraft in that city. 
And for some time, because he was doing this and people saw the power he possessed, people followed him. They said, wow, this man Simon is demonstrating the power of God. This must be God, right? But when Philip comes with this good news about Jesus and he starts healing the sick and doing even more powerful things, then they start saying, oh, really, it's Philip. And then even Simon himself starts to follow Philip. It says Simon um, believed and was baptized. So he actually becomes baptized in Jesus and he starts um, following Philip everywhere. So how does this relate to our culture, right? Um, I know in, in many Eastern cultures, some African cultures, even Latin American, witchcraft is, is a thing. People will go to witch doctors in, in certain um, hard situations. But in our Western culture, it's not that wide open, right? So let's think in a broader sense, right? Who are the Simons of our culture? What does our culture look to for emotional healing and spiritual experience? And the word for sorcery in the Bible is actually pharmakia, right? And it's also a word that's used for drugs. And personally in my life, I've had many friends that seek adventure and they seek spiritual experience through psychedelics, right? And I have one friend in particular, he was doing a lot of mushrooms and things, and he would tell me he would meditate, and he says, you know, this is my spiritual experience, this is how I experience things. But um, it, it really led him to a destructive path, and, you know, I'd start to share with him about Jesus and things like that. And uh, one day we were just praying, I was praying with him, and he said, you know, this is really crazy, because usually when I meditate, I just feel this emptiness. But right now, I'm feeling something coming in me, like I just... I feel this love, I feel this cage starting to break off of me. Um, and there was another friend that was there alongside, and the whole time I was sharing about Jesus, he was, he was just like, you know, just not, not having it, it seemed like. But the minute we start praying, he just starts crying. And I just asked him, bro, are you okay? What's wrong? And he's like, it's just crazy to me that, you know, this world tells us we need all this X, Y, and Z and all this extra stuff, but the most powerful thing is free. You know, and he was feeling God's presence. And, um, you know, uh, my friend E.K., she was, uh, she was walking down the street one day, and, and this guy came up to her trying to sell her weed. And she just said to him, um, you know, this is not God's plan for your life, bro. And just started sharing with him about Jesus. And um, the next morning, he called her and, and asked her, um, yeah, can we read scripture together and stuff, you know? And they started reading the Bible, and she started sharing the Lord with him. But, um, you know, guys, this is real. You know, our, our culture does have this pharmacia. Our culture does have other things that they look to and say, this is how I can reach God. This is spiritual experience. This is how I could feel this emptiness inside of me. And I've just seen it wreak havoc on my friend's life. You know, I've had friends that since the age of 15, they start smoking crack, doing a bunch of stuff, you know. And I, I really lost people to drugs, you know. There's people out there that have this emptiness. They have this burning for something more in life, but they just don't know where to get it. And that, that's part of what Philip is manifesting here, that when someone who's really walking with the Lord comes and shows the real Holy Spirit, you don't need any other spirits. And um, that's, that's really my heart. I've been discussing with Wale about how in shortage, he feels prophetically, it's, it's meant to be a place where the youth are built up, you know. But now it's become this, this playground for adults and all this partying and stuff. But I'm just thinking, you know, these guys that are going to alcohol to relieve the stress of their week or to... Um, to deal with their emotional pain. What if we go there on those nights and, and talk to these people as they're partying and then just share Jesus with them and just pray for clarity and refreshment in their mind to even wake up without a hangover, you know? And they wake up and they're like, wow, you know? I turned to this thing thinking it could fill me, but actually maybe those guys were really from God, you know? Maybe that'll start to change and maybe as they wake up that morning, they'll, they'll go to church. But let's, let's continue with Acts 8. 
So when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they may receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, so here we're going to start like the, the real meat of this teaching. So this Acts 8 passage, right? I want you to notice three things about the office of the evangelist. So number one, the evangelist is the first point of contact. Number two, the evangelist's work is complemented by the apostles. So the evangelist is not just working alone. All right, number three, the evangelist models how to point people to Jesus. Okay, so let's go through all these three points. So point one. So you see that Philip went down to Samaria, right, proclaiming the Messiah. But then the apostles joined him later, right? So Philip is the first point of contact. He's the one that reaches the new person, the new demographic, or the new place. Now, if the pastor, we say, is the shepherd of the flock, the evangelist is the one that will leave the 99 for the one, right? And Jesus preached about this in Luke 15, 2 to 6. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. So Jesus demonstrated all the elements of the fivefold ministry. But here in this passage, we really see the evangelistic side of Jesus coming out, right? And that's what an evangelist is. He, he's one that has a heart to reach the lost. And, you know, I could really relate to this. Like very early in my Christian life, I, I would just read the Bible. And the only thing I would see in it was just salvation, souls, the gospel needs to go out, you know. And, um, you know, I was immature in my faith and I would sit in church sometimes week after week and I would just feel this sense of being pent up. Like, like why am I here and, and just always around Christians? Like I should be around non-Christians, you know. And I even had this sense of frustration that how come other people don't have this burning? And how come it seems like sometimes, like even when I try to do too much, it seems like they're, they're low-key, like discouraging me. And, um, you know, what I just didn't understand is that God gave us a body, right? So he gave us different, different people who play their different roles. And I was just stuck on my thing, this immature thing of, you know, I guess either you're wrong or I'm wrong, but one of us is misunderstanding God's priorities. But it's really not like that, you know. And now one of my closest friends here is Wale. And I've seen how he really has the heart of the prophet. And it's a constant reminder to me to tune in with God and to have intimacy with him. And, you know, that's actually made me a better evangelist, you know. Because before, I was like a dull blade, right? I would just go and say the same thing to everybody, pray for healing for everybody with no spiritual discernment. But now, spending that time with him, he's really sharpened me and been like, okay, Lord, like, what are you saying to this person? Like, what is this specific thing that this person needs, you know? And it's like this passage that we are salt, right? So Wale has been that salt for me. He's really, like, brought out my own flavor and made me an even better evangelist. And he's told me that, like, my evangelistic heart, 
like this constant reminder for souls of being saved has, has made him a better prophet because it's pushed him to prophesy to more people. So we are salt for each other, right? And that brings me to my second point is that um, although Philip was the first point of contact, he didn't have the full picture, okay? Because it says he proclaimed the good news of Jesus and Christ was baptized. But let, let's read this Acts 8 again when the apostles come. It says, when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they may receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, the thing that's so crazy to me about this is Philip was casting out demons and he was healing the sick. Yet even moving in the spirit like that, when the apostles came, the Holy Spirit comes on a different level on those believers, right? And, you know, like, like I said, it, it's really like with my friendship with Wale and even me being here at Imprint, it's like I've experienced new levels of the Holy Spirit being here that I wasn't before, you know? And that's, that's really our function as the body is, let's say the evangelist is the one that ends up bringing new people to church or, you know, even planting the seeds for a new community. But when the apostles and the prophets come in, they, they really come with, with an extra measure of the Holy Spirit's power. They come with an extra edification, an extra building up. They really fortify the body and solidify that community, right? And it reads in um, 1 Corinthians 3.67, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who wanders is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So we really need the full body, you know. And Wale told me, you know, it takes a village to raise a child, but it takes a body to raise a believer, right? And let's just think about what we did in, in Showcase yesterday. That was evangelistic. You know, what Shaman was sharing was pure gospel. That play was pure gospel. But it took the whole body to come that, to make that possible. And then we had a room full of almost 500 people, right, that we were able to share the gospel to. So that's, that's really the power of the body and the evangelists and the apostles and the prophets all working together, right? Um, and it's really helped me think outside the box. Like, I never would have come up with something like Showcase, you know? My emphasis tends to be different things, one-on-one -on -one or going on the street or relational. But, you know, this has really stretched my imagination of how we can reach more people. Okay, so point three. Um, an evangelist is someone who models how to point people to Jesus. So what we see in Acts 8 is that Philip casts out the demons. He heals the sick. And um, because of this, people start to notice and they listen. And even Simon, who is a magician, is baptized and starts to follow Philip, right? And that's what Jesus did. He didn't just talk about it. He actually modeled it, right? So he would heal the sick. He would cast out demons. He would preach in front of his disciples. He would live. He would eat, sleep with his disciples. And he told them to do the same. And he gives them specific instructions at various times, right? He tells them, you know, go without money. You know, go let your peace rest on the house. If it doesn't, come, let it come back to you. You know, wipe the dust off your sandals. When they're unable to cast out a demon, he says, this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. So the evangelist gives, gives a model for how to reach people for Christ. And he also gives specific practical wisdom. You know, Wale told me this beautiful story. He had a chance to go out one day with about like 30 Christians and he knew that, okay, maybe it's one of the first times they're doing this specific street type of outreach. So how can I, how can I model something that everybody can do? And after a night of prayer, he just woke up with this feeling of like, if you could have one miracle, what would it be? 
So that was the model for that day, right? Just go up to someone and just ask, uh, you know, if, if you could have one miracle, what would it be? And um, when they tell you, just pray for them for that, you know? And people just had the sense of, wow, yeah, I, I could do that, you know? I, you know, I might not always know what to say, but I can do that and I could pray for the person, right? So he really modeled what it is. And that's Jesus' heart. It's not that um, the evangelist would be the only one doing this or the lone soldier, but actually that it would multiply, that the influence would multiply and that the whole body would be mobilized. That's why Jesus said, greater things than me you will do. Let's think about something, right? Jesus, being the son of God, his ministry only lasted three years. How many souls did he really reach? Like directly himself in the flesh, right? Let's say like maybe a million, right? Maybe, right? Well, right now, Christianity is about 33% of the world population. That's billions of people. So Jesus alone in the flesh reached a million. But now because he multiplied himself through disciples, it's reached billions. And so truly greater things than me you shall do, right? And so he models that behavior. And, and this really resonates with me. You know, I started praying for the sick uh, back in my home in France because I was working in a construction site with, with a non-Christian friend of mine, and he fell off a ladder during the work. And I just saw him limping throughout the week. And um, when we were coming back from this camp, we stopped by my friend Janet's house, right? And he's walking in, limping, and um, my friend Janet is like, what happened to you? And he's like, oh, I fell off a ladder and stuff. And she's like, oh, no, that's not right. And she pulled up a chair for him and said, sit down. And she started praying for him, like, in, in Jesus' name, be healed right now. Ankle, you align with God's word right now, you know? And my mind was so blown because I've never seen something like that. You know, I've seen people petition God for things, but I've never seen that level of faith where she's just like, Lord, I know it's your will to heal. Now I'm going to stand on that in authority and be Jesus in this moment and speak to this situation. You know, and she just asked him, stand up, how you feel? And he started walking around, and I just saw his face in shock. Like, it, you know, my, my ankle's different now, you know? And she's like, how much better? And he's like, maybe 80%. And she's like, no, sit back down. And she just kept praying for him until it was all the way gone, you know? And he left, got in his car and left. And my mind was so blown by that, you know? So fast forward now, I'm in London, and me and CJ and some other people were going out. We're praying for the sick, and we've seen a lot of people healed, you know? And uh, Kenny, who's, like, been coming for about two months, she came out with us. She's been coming out with us. And so she saw that, and she's like, wow, okay. So, you know, I, I could pray for people for healing. And so she was coming back from a dance class one day with one of her non-Christian friends. And um, they were on a train station, and they hear this woman just screaming in pain. So they sit down with the woman, they ask her what's up, and she said, my leg just hurts so much, I can't even walk. You know, so she just asked her, well, can I pray for you and stuff? And she's praying and keeps her eyes open, and she sees the lady in, in just closing her eyes, like drifting off. She says, what's up? She says, oh, I'm feeling just so peaceful right now. And Kenny's like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to keep praying for you, and I believe God's going to heal you and stuff, right? So she finishes praying, and she asks her, could you stand up? And the lady stands up, and she's, like, having trouble believing it. And she's like, look, you, you're healed. You could walk. Go, go take the train. And the lady just walks off without pain and just gets on the train and leaves. You know? And her friend, yeah, yeah, praise God, guys. And, you know, her friend from the dance class is next to her, right? So she's seeing this, and she's like, oh, wow, so you believe in God and stuff? And, and you know, Kenny's able to share her faith very naturally from that. And then, you know, I, I'm, I'm having faith that, you know, she will come to Christ and she will start healing the sick as well because of what Kenny has modeled. So, 
you know, this modeling is, is international. It's gone from my home in France to London, touching different people, um, you know, from Kenny to her friend. And, you know, it's, it's deep, and it doesn't even have to be in person. How many of us on social media, we've seen someone sharing a testimony, or we've seen someone praying for someone, and it's just inspired us to do the same, right? And, um, you know, obviously, I'm speaking from my own personal experience, and what I know is limited, but I don't want you guys to think that evangelism just has to look like what it looks like for me, right? So it doesn't have to look like just going on the street and healing the sick or even preaching on social media or some big platform. And the reason I say this is because let's continue in Acts 8, verse 26 to 38. Um, You know what, I'm just going to summarize. I won't read it. But essentially, an angel of the Lord tells Philip to go south towards Gaza. And there he meets an Ethiopian man who's reading scripture. And the spirit tells Philip to go near him. The Ethiopian man um, asks Philip a question about the scripture. And Philip ends up explaining it, that it's about Jesus, and this man comes to Christ. Now, let's think about Philip, like the type of guy he is, right? So he's a bold guy out in public, healing the sick, casting out demons, probably preaching in public. But then now he's just gently walking up to this guy who's already reading scripture. They're having a one-on-one conversation about it, and he comes to Christ, right? So there's many different... um, ways that we can evangelize and jesus did the same he was very bold he preached in crowds but he also had a very gentle conversation one-on-one with this samaritan woman and so philip and jesus they were able to move in this flexibility because they had intimacy with the holy spirit and that comes back to, to that prophetic emphasis that wally has imparted to me that what is the spirit doing in this moment you know i don't need to preach loud to this ethiopian guy he's already reading scripture let's just talk about that you know um and it just reminds me, like, one day, like, I was, I was praying in my room, and it was really late at night, but I just felt the Holy Spirit was telling me to go out and get some food. So I was like, okay, it's late, but why not, you know? So I'm in the elevator, and I'm listening to a sermon, and this guy in the elevator just starts talking to me. And, you know, I got headphones in and everything. He's like, hey, what are you listening to? I'm like, a sermon? And he's like, oh, what sermon? Da, da, da. And he's like, can you send it to me? And I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, you know, I send it to him. And, you know, we start texting, and... um long story short it turns out that we had a lot of points in common like i used to skateboard when i was younger he used to skate too just a lot of things and um we became like best friends essentially and um i found out later that he was actually suffering with depression and so you know i was able to just pray with him and and love on him and we would even talk about faith together and i would read the bible with him and i just started to see over time slowly him getting better and now he's actually moved away from the uk back to germany but um, he's been sending these messages about, you know, I'm starting to run now and I'm running like 10K a day and stuff. And, you know, his, his life is just growing from strength to strength um, just from me obeying the spirit and just going in that elevator, you know. And I want to share this story that Offs told me that um, her colleague at work started to tell her about how his sister is pregnant with a baby, but that baby is having heart complications so Offs just said to her colleague, like, oh, can we pray now for your sister? So they just prayed for healing in that baby's heart. And a few weeks later, they went to go to the cardiologist to check. And the doctor said, the, the baby's fine. So no matter what field you're in, you can model what evangelism is like for other people, right? 
And, you know, I, I've been talking about kind of informal examples, but this could really ripple out into bigger things. So, for example, HTB started this thing called the Alpha Course. And it's really great because you can have dinner with somebody and you can watch these videos and have a real in-depth discussion about faith. And it's worked so well now that it's become a model that's used all across the world. And even we, um, we in our church have used it like for people to really just get deeper in, in their Christian faith, right? Um, so my question for you guys today is this, is what is the thing that God is asking you to model that can inspire other people and that can be replicated? And I just want to reiterate this point that the evangelist is really not someone who works alone, right? He's, he needs to work with other apostles, other prophets, but he also needs to raise the whole body up in the act of evangelism. And we see in, in this Acts 1 passage, in the beginning, even before it talks about Philip, it says, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church, and all except the apostles were scattered. And those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So it says all except the apostles, right, were scattered. And these ones were the ones that preached the word. So it wasn't just the leaders of the church. It was the whole body. In a moment that the devil tried to use to break and scatter the church only led to further multiplication. Because the body was equipped. And it's the same thing I see with corona. You know, like, let's, let's be real. Our church is very young. There's some churches that have been up 30 years, you know, and then have really broken down during this pandemic. But we're only two years old and we survived it. And look at this room now, guys. We're coming out the pandemic stronger. Why? Because all of us are equipped. All of us are telling our friends about our faith or sharing things on social media, you know. And this is really the body rolling out. And so I mentioned before that there's one other person called an evangelist in, in the Bible, and that's Timothy. And if you read 2 Timothy, you ask yourself, is this an evangelist? Because Paul is telling him all the time, you know, make sure you're correcting your brothers. Make sure you're strengthening your brothers. Make sure you're teaching them. Make sure you're encouraging them, you know. He makes references to an athlete training, right? And an athlete doesn't train alone. An athlete grinds together with his team. They celebrate their wins together. And it's the same thing with an evangelist, you know. It's not just some distant model to show you how to reach others. It's, it's, it's we're here. It's like the team. And that's what I love about Imprint. Like, there's so many times, you know, I and my friends here, we've cried for souls, like in private, just crying together. Or we've just been vulnerable with each other about, like, bro, like, I don't know, I'm not really feeling that holy right now. Like, I don't know how I can share my faith because I'm having my own struggles. And, you know, we could build each other up. We could edify each other in that. And we could just encourage each other, like, let's get back with the Lord. Let's get right with him and just ask him to strengthen us so that we can reach other people too, you know? And we don't have to be perfect, but we have to make sure that we're spiritually healthy ourselves, you know. And, and that's part of what the body is for, that, that we edify and strengthen each other so we could be effective out here. Okay, so let me summarize the, the three points that I made about Acts 8 and Philip in particular. So the office of the evangelist is characterized by three things. It's the first point of contact for non-Christians. Number two... They work with the rest of the body to make sure that the community is solid and people are discipled and grow. And uh, lastly, they model different ways to point people to Jesus and, and they work together as salt to, to bring out the flavor of the whole body. Okay, so I think for some of you right now, God has been speaking to you for some time about evangelism and 
how you can model what it looks like to point people to Jesus. Um, and I just want to call out like the evangelists, like if you feel that that office is for you, that that calling is for you, if, if your heart burns for the lost, if you want to model what it looks like to point people to Jesus, if, if you want to be that evangelistic salt in the wider body, um, I just want to pray with you guys. And actually, I want you guys to take a step of faith, and I just ask that you would stand. And I'll just pray for boldness right now and an impartation of that ministry just for the office of evangelism. So if you guys feel called, um, yeah, let's just close our eyes and, and uh, the, the people who feel called, just stand and I'll pray for you for that boldness. Lord Jesus, Lord, I thank you that you died for us, Jesus. I thank you that you showed us what it means to live this life here on earth. Lord, I thank you that you took that sit on the cross for us. That you rose again, Lord. That you told us that we could do the same things that you did, Lord. That you told us to reach souls for your kingdom, Lord. Lord, our hearts burn for the things you burn for, Lord. Lord, help us to reach the lost sheep, Lord. Help us to reach out, Lord, to those people that you love, Lord, those people that you want to save so much, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you commissioned us, Lord, that you commissioned your 12 and you gave them authority to cast out all demons and heal all sickness, Lord. I thank you that you commissioned the 70 to do the same, Lord. I thank you that you breathed your Holy Spirit after your resurrection upon us, Lord, so that all flesh may know the Holy Spirit, Lord, so that no man may say to his brother, you should know the Lord, but your spirit has been poured out on all of us, Lord. And I just thank you for this office of evangelism, Lord. I thank you for these people that are called to build up the body, Lord, to encourage everyone else to just go out and do what you told us to do, Lord. So I just speak right now in Jesus' name, the boldness in the Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name, in power and authority over all sickness, over all demons, that the gospel will pour forth from their mouths with truth and in love to reach and impact souls for the kingdom. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Give them prophetic vision, Lord, of how to model this evangelistic call for their specific context in line with their specific calling and their specific personality lord give us imagination lord stretch our minds of how we can reach people in creative ways how we can mobilize the whole body for your glory lord i pray for these things in jesus name amen amen